Hey, I'm Allison Hare, and welcome to Culture Changers, the podcast that brings you unconventional wisdom by uncommon people. Together, we are shattering old paradigms to reshape our world and inviting you to make your own mark. Have you felt like your emotions have been in their own boxing match? I mean, first you're up, then you're down, and then you feel excited and grateful. And then you're frustrated and you see no end in sight. You feel the pressure and tension in your shoulders. Your sleep is off and you're emotionally, physically, and mentally drained. Oof, I get it. Normally, I would have questioned if all of these emotional ping pongs are signs that I am having a mental breakdown. But then I look around and I remember that we're all in the midst of a global pandemic. And I recently surveyed my audience and asked, what are they struggling with? And I got so many responses that said what they're struggling with is finding footing and happiness when it feels like the world is in so much chaos. Is it okay to feel happy? Is it okay to feel joy? What if you're not feeling any joy? How do you find the light? So I knew exactly who I needed to bring on my show. And you are in for such a treat because she delivered. My guest today is Talia Delju. She is a positive psychology expert and transformational life coach, helping people connect their power and purpose. And as an international speaker, she has shared her insights on how to create and manifest a fulfilling life alongside people like Deepak Chopra, Jen Sincero, and Adam Grant, who I freaking love, and has been featured by Forbes, Fortune, Well and Good, and Real Simple, among others. You were going to get so much out of our chat. I could not wait to bring this to you. She gave simple and practical guidance on how to truly re-engineer your thought patterns to really regain your power. And as I've mentioned in previous episodes, I always feel like this podcast is really just one long therapy session for myself. But honestly, the advice she shared, I immediately started to incorporate the practices into my own life. And it was really, really effective and it helped me reframe my thoughts and have better control over my emotions. So before we get into our chat, I want to hear from you again. What are you struggling with? And what's been on your mind? Truly, I have some incredible guests lined up and am basing the future shows on bringing the best and brightest experts on to discuss. So you can text me at 470-242-6311. I also have some very, very big news to share. And what I would encourage you to do is go sign up for my blog at allisonhair.com forward slash blog and be the first to know and I want to stay connected with you. All my links to my socials and every which way to get connected with me are in the show notes. Okay, now for my chat with Talia Delju. Hey, so we are here with Talia Delju. Delju, did I pronounce that right? That was perfect. Let me do it again. Okay. Talia Delju. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> it sounds so exotic and beautiful. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're here with Talia and Talia and I have been connected for um, for quite a while on the socials and we've kind of met in passing and we were saying, you know, this is a long time coming. How come we haven't done this before? Um, but I've kind of followed your journey online and 
what's so interesting about Talia is she is um, she is a transformational coach and has a really strong background in positive psychology. And it's not what you think. So, um, and and one of the things that I thought was so um, why I wanted to have her on the show so badly is because um, I had done a survey of my audience and said, "What are you guys struggling with?" And what came up over and over and over again was, "How do I manage my emotions? How do I find happiness when I can't even find my footing? I'm dealing with so much right now." And, and even from a professional standpoint of, you know, the nature of work is changing so much. And I don't know what that looks like where I feel like I'm changing, but I don't know if work is changing and if I can synthesize both of them. So I, I reached out to Talia and she's, and she said, well, let's give your audience what they want. Yeah, <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> yeah. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, but Please tell me a little bit about your background and and what got you here. I think um I think your background's so fascinating. Thank you. Yeah, it's a great place to start. And you know, for me when I talk about purpose and finding your path, there's always something that comes from life experience that informs what feels purposeful for people and for me that came at a very early age watching watching my mom struggle with her sense of identity and self-worth and wanting to kind of find something in the external world that would make her feel like she was somebody, you know? And it was this idea in the story that my sense of value and worth is going to come from a title or a role or in a certain amount of money or a specific kind of job that looks a certain way to everybody else. And watched her, truthfully up until today, kind of on this hamster wheel of grasping for things outside of herself. And I've kind of sat on the sidelines this whole time with such an awareness that it's not going to come from any of these things, mom, you know, and, and I can sit here all day and feel that and say that, but I can't, I can't be the one to help her in that space. And so I think over the years, it's just become kind of the lens through which I see problems around me, right? I see so many people looking to the outside world for happiness, for fulfillment, for a sense of worth and self. And, and so, so much of this transformational coaching work is about changing the way you see yourself, changing the way you perceive power and value and shifting it from the external to the internal. And so it, it just kind of filled my, my head with a bunch of questions I was so curious about. In college, the questions were all around, again, how do we define ourselves? Where do the things we're looking for actually come from in a way that's sustainable and centered and grounding and real? And, and I had to find answers. So I went to grad school after consulting for about a year and studied positive psychology, which is essentially the science of what makes life worth living. And yes, there is a positive side to it, but there's also, uh, it's, it's more about looking at all the pieces, right? There's value in looking at the negative emotions, but we're missing the other side of the coin. And if we look at what makes life worth living, sadness is a part of life, right? There are so many parts of life that we categorize into good, bad, negative, positive. And it's about taking a more holistic perspective and approach to looking, yeah, to looking at the whole picture and asking ourselves, what does lead to a high quality of life? And and we can ask those questions and find answers and do research. And, and there is a lot out there in the world of positive psychology that can inform how to live a high quality of life and how to spend time and what to spend money on and what to do to cultivate the emotions you want to feel in your life. 
But there's so much to unpack there because <laughs> I know <laughs> it's, I mean, the things that you deal with are really heady. Like the things that you just open your arms wide to and say, this is where I'm making my mark and this is what I'm doing. They're really huge topics, especially yeah. as, as, uh, people who are American, who really value productivity, value stuff, value possessions, value titles, value status, value money. Um, it's, it's hard to unravel that. Mm -hmm. I really relate to your story about your mother because my mother had a similar, has a similar path. And, um, and I, I think what's interesting too, I'd be curious to get your take because I feel like, um, we are no longer taught how to cope anymore because there's so many ways to escape, whether that is through, yep pills, whether it's through uh, alcohol, whether it's just to forget it, whether it is to channel your energies somewhere else, mm -hmm. but they aren't always the healthiest places. So tell me about what that means to you. And am I right? Absolutely. A hundred percent. We are really good at distracting ourselves from the things that need attention, which is why I think this pandemic has been <sighs> necessary is maybe a tricky word to put into the mix here, but I think it's, it's, invited a lot of us to look at the things we can no longer run away from. You know, it's, it's, it's the time for many of us because the excuses that used to keep us stuck or, or keep us from doing the thing we knew we wanted no longer apply. You have the time now, maybe, maybe you don't, right? So it's going to be different for everybody, but I think things are coming to the surface that, yeah, we can no longer hide from and have to learn how to be with. And to your point, we don't learn how to be with these things. We don't learn how to be with our negative emotions. We also don't learn how to be with joy either. You know, I think there's, again, the balance between the positive and the negative and how for many people it's scary to feel good. It's it's just as scary to feel good as it is to feel bad. And, and so a lot of this work is learning how to be with yourself, learning how to cultivate a relationship to yourself so that you're not coming up against the same thing over and over again and falling back into a pattern of, you know, either distraction or procrastination or, um, or yeah, the illusion that everything's okay. For many of us, it's just comfort that we're sitting in. And, um, yeah, some, at some point we reach, a the awareness that if we don't change, nothing around us is going to change and you have to be willing to put the work in. I do think that there is a great reckoning that's happening right now where people are truly coming face to face with some of the demons that they can no longer run from. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it's very unsettling. Like I've been even dealing with, um, the joy, like I embrace, I embrace when I feel sad. I really do. I embrace mm -hmm. it. Um, it has taken me a long time to do that. Um, because I've been so productive minded, like I just need to do. And so part of it is unraveling from that. But I've also noticed my resistance to joy. And there are certain things that I've baked into, into my life that invite joy. And that might be the rebel dancing that um, I, I make sure it's in there. But there are certain other things that I I find myself questioning, do I even deserve this? Do I deserve to light a candle and just drink this tea and do it peacefully. Mm -hmm. You know, like if I'm feeling like, ah, things are not right, um, right now. So tell me about what that looks like. Like, how do you start unwinding? 
Yeah. Yeah. You got to look at the story there, right? There's a story behind that for everybody. And I'll just kind of share my own in, in, in hopes that it kind of shed some light on what this actually looks like in practice in real time. Yeah. Um, for me, for the longest time, I stopped myself from truly feeling joy because I lived in the story that to love people means to suffer with people and to feel their pain with them and to meet them in the depths of their suffering. Are you an empath? Yes. You are. Okay. I am. And there was no no separation between what I felt and what you felt. And and there's a beauty in that. And there is a, you know, there's a dark side to everything. Um, And so for me, it was it was getting so far into the depths of that to the point where I had to have someone else. And this is where, you know, whether it's a coach or a loved one or whoever it might be, someone who can kind of reflect back what they're seeing. Because when we're so in it and so close to it, we're the last person to be able to pull ourselves out of that space. And so I was kind of in the depths of of my suffering, other people's suffering. I couldn't distinguish between the two. And I had someone else kind of reflect it back to me and say, hey, you know, you suffering with people, it only adds to it, right? It doesn't, it's not actually helping. And that turned my world around because for the longest time, again, I, I had to find myself as a helper and as someone who loves and cares for people. And so for someone to come to me and say, this isn't actually helping was really hard to hear, but also opened up a whole new way of looking at how to love, how to care for people, including myself. Um, so it's it's looking at how you define loving people, how you define caring for people, how you define um how you define your role in these relationships to others and recognizing that you are, you are someone you are also in relationship with. Um, and I, you know, when it comes to not feeling deserving and worthy of a lot of that's the should language, right? I shouldn't, Mm -hmm. I shouldn't feel joyful right now. I shouldn't sit down and take time to light a candle and drink my tea. And a very practical kind of mindset tool to bring in here is to ask yourself, well, why should you? Let's look at the opposite for a second, because there are reasons that validate both sides. And most of us, when we're in a should kind of place or in a fear-based story, we're just looking for evidence to prove us right. See, I shouldn't because look at that. And that proves the story. So look for proof that you're wrong and just try to find, again, it's about balance, looking at things from all sides. I should, and here's why I shouldn't. And here's why. And what's actually based in truth, what's actually objective that you could prove in front of a judge in court. <laughs> That's what I always say to people. I'm like, is it true? Like actually true. And what could be true instead? What are you not looking at or considering that could be another way to do this thing or be in relation to this thing? How practical is it to be able to have enough self-awareness to give yourself that space to understand, or at least to really honestly judge yourself in a way that's loving. How do you break out of that? Because people, I think people are really taught how to um, how to minimize our own value mm-hmm. because you don't want to appear uh, boastful or uh, too confident. You know, like I think there's there's. You know, I, I've seen that you write a lot about Brene Brown and Glennon mm-hmm. Doyle. Like, I think Glennon Doyle is like the next evolution of Brene Brown. Like, yes, mm-hmm. we've identified vulnerability and shame. And now it's like, how do you step into your own power of mm-hmm. what originally was considered programming 
-hmm. and potentially weak by, by having these big feelings. Yeah. And I want to understand how do you, how do you peel off those layers and be able to, to kind of have a better self-awareness? Yeah, absolutely. So many ways to answer this question. So I think, you know, the first thing that I teach- We're going deep. I know. Let's go. <laughs> let's get into it. Um, you know, in terms of self-awareness, what what that brings up for me is in understanding how what we think leads to what we feel, leads to what we do, leads to the results that we see in our life. So if you, if you want to cultivate some self-awareness, it's taking an honest look at- the thoughts and the stories and the judgments your mind has created about seemingly neutral things. So the argument here is that everything in life that you experience is completely neutral until your mind attaches a thought to it, right? We're, mm-hmm. we're meaning-making machines. So it's going to attach a thought to it. It's not a good or a bad thing. It's just going to do it. And and I always throw these numbers out. We have you know 60,000 thoughts a day, 85% – 80% of which are negative in content mm-hmm. and 95% of which are repeated thoughts. You've thought them before. You probably thought them yesterday. So that's what we're working with mentally. So when it comes to self-awareness, even that piece in and of itself is, wow, okay, this is this is what we're working with. I'm beginning to understand and observe and notice the thoughts my mind creates about certain things and how the thoughts are separate from what's actually happening. And this is, I know, getting a little like micro, but this is the work. So it's looking at, okay, what's this, what's the neutral circumstance that's happening and what thought is the repeated story that you've attached to this? And is that thought cultivating a positive emotion, a negative emotion? What, what emotion is arising from the thought? And from that emotion comes action or lack of action. And from that comes some type of result or creation. So that is the starting point for any and everyone who walks through my door. It's mm. understanding what is the pattern that you've been living in because it's it's self-sabotage in many ways, right? It's the thought creates the result and the result reinforces the thought. So it continues to feed itself to the point where the thought becomes a belief and you don't even question it anymore as whether or not it's true. It just is in your mind. So the work is in challenging the truth of those thoughts and asking yourself again, what could be true here instead? What do I want to feel instead of what I'm feeling? And how do I honestly like redesign and re-engineer and recreate the thoughts to create the feelings that I want to feel? That's complete freedom and power in, in my opinion is you have the power to choose how you feel. Yes, it's a practice. No, it's not easy, but it's 100% possible. That's exactly it. So I think what you hit on, if I'm understanding this correctly, is to re-engineer, to notice, to uh, to assume and reframe your brain that every feeling, emotion, whatever, I don't know if it's feeling or emotion, but every thought that goes through your head is neutral. And what do you attach to it? So, uh, and one thing that keeps coming up for me, and this may be a side, but it might be right on the money here. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with Landmark Forum. Mm-hmm. Did you do it? I did not. Because part of the practice, I did it when I was like 22 mm-hmm. and it was life changing. It really, I mean, even still to this day, there are some things and they talk about life is empty and meaningless. And the point of that is that everything is neutral, you know, and, yeah. uh, and we attach 
different associations, different emotions, different values to things. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, um, I wonder, so you work in a coaching practice. So you are a transformational life coach. You can explain this better than I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know you do workshops. You're a speaker. Um, I know there are, are um, uh, group practices that you offer as well, as well as a podcast. What are people saying to you now? What are people asking you for in the pandemic? Have you seen that the the clients that you work with are coming to you with a different ask or is it the same, just more intense? The latter. It's the same. I'm not seeing anything new except the urgency and willingness to figure it out, right? I mm. think for most people, it's it's not like they've never had these challenges. It's just that they now, you know, it's, they now have the time and space in many ways to, to finally look at it and, and do something about it. So, you know, the, the, the things people come to me with are, are, have always been for the past eight years. Um, I, you know, I'm kind of going through the motions and this is a very broad and kind of generalized way to, to summarize this, but I'm, you know, I'm going through the motions, I'm doing all the things I thought I wanted to do. And there's just something missing, right? There's, there's something in me that, and I I do hear from many people, there's the story that they tell themselves that they don't know what they want. And I, I don't think that's true for anybody. I think deep down, everybody does know exactly what they want. It's just buried under layers of self-doubt and who am I to blank and I don't want to disappoint and and it's it's there. And those are the best moments in coaching conversations when, you know, it's face to face what what do you want? Like it's okay to want it and it's okay if it's so different than what you have in your life right now. And it gives me mm. chills just saying it because it's so scary yet so beautiful to watch somebody finally feel safe enough to say what I want is completely different or what I want is not at all different, but there's this little thing that I'm just too afraid to ask for or too afraid to acknowledge or too afraid to say. So a big part of it's fear. And yeah. And I think right now to answer your question, it's just, uh, now is the time to look at this because nothing is certain anymore. So I might as well, (laughs) ask myself what I want to make of what's, what's being, what's being handed to me. What an incredible position you have to kind of help bring people out of, out of shells and shells and shells and shells. And one thing I heard you say on a podcast, um, that I would love for you to talk about because it really hit me was, uh, the hole in your heart. I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but can you, it seems like this is kind of in the same vein. Can you explain what that is? Cause I think it yeah. is, so universal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd love to see how do you help somebody heal that hole? Yeah. So the hole in the heart is one of my favorite theories in psychology that's really aimed at helping people identify what what work, especially in the context of work, is going to feel purposeful and meaningful to them. So the hole in the heart idea is that you know, at some point we've all experienced some kind of hardship or pain or witnessed some kind of problem that we can't unsee that we, that we walk around with. And it's, it's, that's the whole, the whole is the pain. The whole is the, um, is the emptiness that we've either experienced or again, witnessed someone experience. So the whole in my heart was witnessing my mom's pain and how that caused pain for me to watch and to recognize like, oh my goodness, 
if she's experiencing this, there are probably so many other people experiencing this. And in order to, in some ways, selfishly make myself feel better and fill the hole in my heart, I'm going to help fill the hole in everybody else's heart too. Not to say everyone has that same hole, but because it's the way I experience life and relationships, that's that's the purpose for me every day. It's it's how do I fill this hole and how do I make sure other people don't live with this hole? So that's that's the theory, the hole in the heart theory. And in terms of how I help people figure out what it is for them, we have to look beyond. And this is where I think most people get stuck, especially in the context of work and career and what's next. We get so focused in on what your work experience has been and what your skill set is. That tells me so little about who you are as a person. We have to look beyond that. Yes, that's data and it's important to get some information from that, but we have to look at when in life you have felt pain, when in life you have felt power and purpose, when in life have you felt extremely joyful and extremely um, you know, in the zone and in the moment and in your flow. All of that's data. And so it's just asking a lot of questions and pulling 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 all of the information into a point where there's now a story and it's not just here's where I am and I'm stuck it's here's where I've been here's where I am here's where I'm going and and the thing the thing that I always say around purpose is it's what you've always done because it's who you've always been and it's now finding a way to kind of shape it and serve people with it and it can look so many different ways, right? For me right now, it's working as a coach. It may or may not be that in 20 years, but the purpose remains the same. It can just change shapes and forms down the road. So what are you seeing from uh, from the people that are working with you? What are you seeing that could help, especially through this pandemic? How do we get footing? How do we, you know, we we are... We're kind of, I always, I get the, the, um, the vision of like, you step on a board and it hits you right in the face (laughs) and that's kind of like the pandemic, you know, but it just keeps hitting you (laughs) and they're different boards, but they keep hitting you directly in your face, you know, and, uh, and, and you have to deal with it. You have to kind of face it. So how do we find our footing? Yeah. There are so many ways to answer this question. Do you want me to get a little spiritual with my responses or? Whatever you feel, whatever yeah. you feel. This is your show to tell you. <laughs> so, so I'll answer it on, on behalf of myself and then share a little bit more about how I, I work with clients through this. But for me, this has been a massive um, exercise in like mental resilience. Yes. It's really, it's a boot camp. It's a mental freaking boot camp every day. It's and relentless, girl. It's, it is, it is <laughs> totally. And every moment presents an opportunity to practice something. So what are you choosing to practice in these moments of hardship in the moment where you step on the plank and it, you know, comes <laughs> up and hits you in the head. Right. It's, a, it's a great visual. Um, what are you practicing day to day, moment to moment? And for me, it's the conscious commitment in this, honestly, this past week has been to, to commit to practicing um, better feeling thoughts. It's, it's a conscious practice of redirecting my thoughts to thoughts that feel better. My ultimate priority day to day is to feel good because when I feel good, and this is again, some positive psychology, positive emotion 
broadens what's called our thought action repertoire. So when we feel good, we're better able to problem solve. We're, we're able to see more, access more parts of our brain. We're able to do more, think more creatively, think outside the box, whatever that means. Um, and and so a, a big priority for me right now is to do things that make me feel good and to think thoughts that cultivate positive emotion and to recognize that from that place, it's just, it's just possibility. Um, so, so this is an active practice. This oh, is not like totally active. You're yeah. training your brain. This is like, no, I am directing my brain right now. Yes. This is like the re-engineer part. Totally re-engineering because we have, you know, we, it's uh, the vision or the visual that I have is like, we dig these pathways, these like, um, these neural pathways. And I just see them filled with like mud and water. We've, we've like, dug so deep into these, I don't know, pathways in our brains that have just become familiar. And many of us, again, the default is, what did I say? 80% negative thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. So our, our brains are wired to be biased towards negativity. So it's going to take very conscious effort on a daily, again, moment to moment basis to say, nope, I'm going to choose to not dig deeper into this pathway that I've dug into for years. I'm going to choose to create a new one. And the more I can practice this new path around my brain, then I'm, you know, I'm getting deeper and deeper into that. And that then becomes what's familiar. And that then becomes what feels comfortable. Cause at first it's, it's not at all comfortable at first it's, well, no, no, this is where I'm used to being right. Um, but again, what are you practicing? Are you choosing to practice victim mentality and staying in the drama of things? Or are you choosing to practice, um, just simply positive thought and, and how, how committed are you to, changing the way you experience your day to day. That's the biggest question. If there's no consequence to you keeping up with the same patterns, you're probably not going to do anything to change it because it takes work and a lot of energy. <laughs> Let's talk for a second about the secret. So yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you my own story. So um, when I, when the secret came out, it was probably 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I was in probably one of the worst places in my life. I was like, $40,000 in debt, had sold my house, sold my car, was living in like a basement of somebody's townhouse and credit cards were maxed out. I had left my career and was, uh, you know, I, I started a job in sales where I was making like $33,000 a year, you know, with commissions and then uh, was working at Longhorn at night to try and pay down my debt. And I was in my thirties, you know, like I had made six figures at my previous career. I was just starting over and the secret came out. And I remember I just was breaking down and my girlfriend said, you've got to come over right now and watch this. And it was like, your mind opens so much. And what we've learned over the years is that the secret, the positive thoughts of just, of, of what you think about, you bring about, mm -hmm. um, actually held a lot of danger in it as we've kind of unfolded of, of not acknowledging the negative. And mm -hmm. it even came to the point where, you know, the, the, the friend that brought me over, um, to watch the secret, I remember I was having a tough time and she said, Allison, I can't talk to you right now. It is too negative. And I remember, I remember how bad that felt. I remember how it felt like, wait, 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 I'm not, I'm not the negative girl, you know, like that's yeah. not, me. This doesn't feel, something is not right with it. And it stayed with me ever since of just, no, no, it's, it's okay to invite the dark. It's uh -huh. okay to, to 
sit in the dark. And there are times mm-hmm. even now where I'm like, you know, I feel like crap and I'm just going to sit in it and let it be okay and not judge it. And I know it'll go away. I hope it'll go away, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to give myself grace and just let it be. So I yeah. want to understand your thoughts on positive psychology of, of retraining your brain, because the easiest thing is, you know, to tell yourself, um, it's going to be okay. Or, or, um, I'm, I'm, I'm a high earner. I'm a whatever. I'm a powerful person. I'm whatever, mm-hmm. but not necessarily have anything underneath it, any totally. kind of foundation. So tell yeah. me more about that because I think it's easy for people to get tripped up. Absolutely. Yeah. It can, it can be, it can be empty for sure. Right. And I think for a lot of people when, you know, in the world of, you know, affirmations, it's like, I, I don't believe these things to be true. So I, I'm not just going to say it and suddenly believe it. Like, so I, I totally thank you for bringing this up. Um, and I will say, you know, for me, it's changing the relationship to the negative emotion. It's not about not feeling them or ignoring them. It's about having a certain level of detachment and looking at them as information, right? What is this here to show me that needs to be healed? And, and I'll say, you know, two weeks ago now, I, last year was probably the hardest year for me emotionally with just depression and anxiety and grief over losing some, some things in my life. And, um, and it you wasn't struggle until, with that normally, or is it was it a, a year? No, I don't struggle no. with it normally. Yeah, it was it was a year that was kind of triggered by a specific event, and it mm-hmm. kind of just spiraled me down into some dark depths. Um, and for a long time, I defined myself by what I was feeling, right? And even in the language we use, I am sad. You are not mm. sadness. You are not sadness. You are feeling sad, right? So there's even from that level we over-identify with these things and give them so much power. So my work over the past year has been not to not feel negative emotion, but to change the way I relate to them and to, again, have a certain level of detachment and figure out, okay, what is the opportunity here for me? What needs to be healed for me here? And can I trust that I will know when the time is right to confront this thing and to really look at what's going on here? And two weeks ago was when that, that healing happened for me, but it took Hmm. so much work up until that point of wrestling with the emotions and learning what they were there to teach me. And, and so, yeah, so it's not at all about, um, never feeling negative emotion and even on the side of happiness, right? There's a dark side to happiness. When, when we talk about feeling like it is possible to feel happy at the wrong time. And it is, it is like, you can, happiness can be inappropriate at certain times. Right. Um, so it's, yeah, it's what's, what is the appropriate response to what it is that's happening and what are you going to do with it? Are you going to give what it your the power? Dark side? Give me, give me an example of, and, yeah. and I'm sure it's probably obvious, but I'm not thinking about what is the dark side to happiness? Like what is an, an like immediately I think of like laughing at a funeral when everybody sure. is sad, you know, but what, what, what does that look like in real practice? Yeah. So a lot of examples here, um, you know, a lot of, let's say the dark side of happiness People who report to have excessive feelings of happiness are actually a lot more willing to take risks and risks that could potentially be dangerous, risks that you would probably want to feel some fear towards. Mm. So, um, so in that sense, you know, manic happiness is is can be dangerous because you're ignoring the signs that 
potentially quote unquote negative emotions might need to tell you to either stop the car or don't jump off the cliff or (laughs) what have you. Um, And another example of this would be the dark side to happiness being, you know, the pursuit of happiness in and of itself creates disappointment. When we do Mm. things to feel happy and we're chasing it and we're saying, well, once I have this thing or do this thing, then I will feel happy. That's another way of looking at, you know, the dark side to happiness is that it, it, when it becomes the goal, it actually creates more disappointment in people as opposed to it being kind of a natural outcome or result of a certain thing. Um, the expectations kind of squashes the, the, the desired happiness that you want to feel in the first place. That's powerful. Cause I'm thinking about the scarcity too, of like the permission to feel joy of like, I, I, I don't want to feel this too much cause I know it's going to go away. I know mm-hmm. it's just going to normalize. So yes. how do we balance like the, the ups and downs of the pandemic? You know, like I think about it, um, especially or it's still the the same, but like, especially in March and April when spring is starting to happen outside and mm-hmm. things are so dark and bleak, you know, I've got two kids, we're homeschooling them. Um, I'm not, you, you know, focused on them. They're begging for my attention. I'm trying to get work done. And mm-hmm. it, it just felt, I just felt like I was failing everywhere and with no end in sight, but I would go outside <clears throat> And see these beautiful blooms and it would be so pleasant outside. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, this feels so good. It was like the the perfect blend of dark and light and enjoying the light, you know, but still kind of acknowledging the dark too. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, there are just so many of these up and down emotions. How do we manage it or navigate? Yeah, yeah I think on a practical level, what I found to be the most helpful is in the way I start my day. Like that dictates the rest of my entire day. So for you, if that joy and that like what you want to be feeling comes from taking a step outside, start your day with that and know that that's available to you to return to at any point throughout the day. Um, I, I'm, I've never been one for like intense morning rituals. I wake up very late every day. I don't set an alarm. <laughs> like I have a very interesting lifestyle, um, but I know the things that remind me of what feels good to me. And it's the conscious choice to feel good and to know that it's not only safe to feel good, but it's necessary to feel good. Cause when I feel good, I show up better for everybody else. Um, and when it comes to the ups and downs, I mean, I think a piece of it is trying as much as you can to get into this practice of observing instead of getting sucked into the emotion itself mm. and recognizing again, that emotion is created by a specific thought. So if you're all over the place with your emotions, you're probably all over the place with your thoughts and the stories and the mental chatter, the negative self-talk, the right, it's to me that's a reflection of what's going on up here. So it's mindset work. It's looking at it's looking at how to create new neural pathways and how to start thinking more truthfully, thinking differently, thinking in a way that creates either more consistency in your emotions, if that's what you want, right? There's nothing. And that's the other thing is there's nothing objectively bad or wrong about the roller coaster of emotions. Yeah. It's just the story we create that I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be up and down this way. I should feel happy all the time. Okay. Well, that story is what's creating the suffering in some ways for you, mm. right? So what is the story that's connected to it? Because again, 
kind of neutral to be dealing with this thing, dealing with this thing, dealing with this thing. There's a part of you that's telling yourself this shouldn't be how things are for me. Things should be different. Things should be calmer. Things should be whatever. And from that place, it's a complete non-resistance of what is. And in that gap comes all of the the heaviness, the weight, the the pain, the fighting against what is. So let's talk for a second about new neural pathways. So tell me about your coaching practice. How do you help people kind of guide them to their own new neural pathways? Yeah. So a lot of this we've we've already talked about, but it's taking specific examples, like what is the specific challenge circumstance that you're facing right now that's got you deep into some kind of story, negative story. So we look at what's happening and then we walk, we walk through that model, right? What's the thought? What's the feeling? What's the action? What's the result? And then we, we like hone in on the thought itself because that's where the neural pathways have been created and designed around. So that's Hmm. where the question comes. Is it true? Is this thought true? Could you prove it in court? What if the opposite were true instead? Let's feed the opposite story a little bit just so we come back to like a, a balanced, right? Both sides are balanced a little bit more and let's look for evidence of something else. Let's give your mind a break and create, um, yeah, feed feed and nourish and give power to something different so that this story, this pathway can just stop being fired constantly. Um, and again, another piece of this is to work backwards through the model. Okay, what do you want to do that you're not doing right now? What feeling needs to precede that action? And what do you have to start thinking instead of what you've been thinking to cultivate that emotion? So it is very like step-by-step. We're working through this model and helping them see if this were the new neural pathway that you created, thought, feeling, action, what would this new result be? Let's create a vision around what could be instead of what is and start believing that it's A, possible (laughs) for that to be your reality and B, empower you to recognize that if that's what you want, then you've got to change, like you have the power to change that through the way you think, the way you feel, the things you do. So that's that's kind of where the, where the work starts for that. That's got to feel really liberating to, to have a coach like you that's going to help untangle, help you untangle some of those stories that have been so deeply embedded in you, you know, whether it's cultural, whether it's personal, whether it's through trauma, whether it's through your own belief systems, um, and kind of unwiring and rewiring Mm -hmm. that, what does it feel like for you to help somebody in this way? Cause it's got to feel, it's got to really feel gratifying. I mean, this is heavy work for, you know, for, for you to do and to Mm -hmm. be in, what does it feel like? So much fun. (laughs) (laughs) So much fun. Um, and, you know, and I feel there is definitely a level of responsibility that feels, I don't want to say heavy necessarily, but feels like, you know, I have, I know, I know what I can do for somebody, but I also have to balance it with their readiness right? Yeah. And, their, and their level of openness and willingness to change the story. You know, I've, I've had a client recently who, you know, we decided to stop working together because she she wasn't ready to get out of the story yet. And that's okay, right? Sometimes we need to be in it for long enough to then finally say, I'm done with this way of being and way of living. Um, and she, there just wasn't a readiness for her there. So it's fun. It's super exciting. And 
And I, I think the power in the work I know, because not only have I seen the results for my clients, but I'm also, I work with my own coaches every day. So there's a level of knowing because I've gone through it or I'm going through it, or I know I will be going through it. And if I can't speak to it from personal experience, I can't sit here and talk to you about it or teach, teach it to you until I've done the work myself. So um, it's a gift every day. I've gotten into the practice over the past two weeks in my commitment to better feeling thoughts and really being in the energy of appreciation. Every night before I go to bed, I, I think of every single person who's said yes in, in working with me and I, you know, bring them into my mind and I just kind of say a prayer for them. I shower them with love and light. And I, I every night I end, you know, there's always a tear running down my face because it's such to be invited into somebody's journey and to have them open themselves up to me is I don't take it lightly. It's, it's such a gift. It's such a gift. You know, you have a bedtime ritual. You said you don't have a big morning <laughs> ritual, but apparently you've got a bedtime one. <laughs> a little bit. No, before I go to bed, I, yeah, I bring everyone into my mind and heart and just feel so appreciative that they've, that they've said yes to investing the time, the money, the, and their trust in, in somebody that they don't know, you know, that's, that's, it can be really scary to do that. I think even the work though, because the work is hard, right? So it's, yeah. it's, you know, some people are resistant to therapy, any kind of therapy mm-hmm. because the work is, is, uh, is so intense. Like I, I went to a gestalt therapist Mm-hmm. last year and it was amazing you know i wish i had done that i wish i'd known about her um uh, a long time ago but it kind of galvanized some of those patterns you know in a in a really big way yeah. what do you do for fun talia yes i read a lot i'm a big reader and it's funny cuz everything i do for fun it somehow circles back to work so i run a book club <laughs> as well um i'm a big reader and of course they're all personal development self help books <laughs> but it's fun for me my work is fun um so you know in in a way i think the blessing and curse is that i don't see work and life as separate um and i like it that way you know it's my work is a complete reflection of who i am as a person so they bleed into each other kind of in a maybe messy way, but it works for me. It sounds um, like you're always feeding yourself too, you know, like yes, it's, it's yes. it can be, uh, it can be life-giving, you know, mm-hmm. when you're kind of in the work that, that wakes you up and, yeah. and does all that stuff too. So yeah. how, what are some ways that people can work with you? It, COVID or yeah. otherwise? Yeah, <laughs> COVID or otherwise. Um, so my bread and butter is one-on-one, one-on-one coaching. Um, usually in a three month capacity and, you know, day one, we're hitting the road. What needs attention? What have you been neglecting? Where do you want to be in three months? And we build a roadmap and we're, we're off to the races. Um, I also do a six month kind of group program that's starting in about two weeks called the inner work circle mastermind. And that really is a deep dive into inner work, um, weekly lessons and practices, monthly group calls, one-on-one. It's kind of a blend of all the things I love. And I also run a membership platform called the inner work collective. It's part coaching community, part learning hub, part book club, um, super fun. Women from all over the world have, have said yes to being a part of that community And I also do have a podcast called Sincerely Me. Um, We haven't been up and live with new episodes for a while, but there are plenty of episodes to revisit over 
over a year's worth of episodes every week um, all about the stuff, inner work, personal development, cultivating a relationship to self, and and exploring what what makes life worth living. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Talia. I'll link everything in the show notes. Um, but I so appreciate your insight. And, you know, like it, my goal with Culture Changers podcast is to unstick the stuck. Yeah. And I think you've done such a good job of giving some practical guidance of what that looks like when your emotions are all over the place, especially through a global pandemic. <laughs> so we're yeah. trying to figure out the next normal, the next future, you know? Mm-hmm. We've all got work to do. That's we for do. sure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Talia. Thanks, Allison. Talia was so inspiring, wasn't she? I learned so much and it really helped shape my outlook. I'm confident it'll do the same for you. And that is such a great guest. I've linked her info in the show notes and I would love to hear what's going on for you. What's new? What's exciting? What's troubling you? What's funny? What are your wins this week? Text me at 470-242-6311 and let me know what you thought. Or if you prefer, connect with me on Insta or anywhere on socials. I've linked it in the show notes. I hope you subscribe to my podcast, leave a five-star rating and review. It helps people find me and really helps me shape future shows that will only get better with your input. Culture changing is really a movement but only works when the ideas are shared. So please share this episode with two or three friends. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week.